We're not crazy, the system is. Tune in to Madness Radio, Voices and Visions from Outside Mental Health, Wednesdays 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on Pacifica Affiliate WXOJLPFM 103.3 Valley Free Radio. Produced by Freedom Center and the Icarus Project. Streaming live, podcasting, and archived at madnessradio.net. Welcome to Madness Radio. This is your host, Will Hall. And today, I'm really excited. We have um, a uh, survivor organizer activist, Musa Sali, who is calling us from Cape Town, South Africa. He is the uh, co-chair of the World Network of Users and Survivors of Psychiatry. And he was involved in the first uh, consumer organizer um, advocacy group um, that was formed in uh, South Africa. He's going to be telling us about that. Um, so he's a father of four and an ex-teacher. So welcome to Madness Radio, Musa Sali. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thanks Thanks a lot for, for joining us. And you're calling us from uh, from Cape Town. Yes, yes. We, we, we're at the moment experiencing a, a heat wave, so the weather's stunning. Oh, a heat wave, wow. Um, well, tell us, tell us about, I, I know that you're um, somewhat of an international organizer with the um, survivor movement, and you're involved with stuff with the United Nations and things going on in other parts of Africa and around the world. Um, tell us just about how you first got connected with the mental health system. What's your own sort of um, experience of going through madness or extreme states and then how did you kind of make your way out of that into becoming an, an activist? Well my story starts back in the late 90s and I was a teacher at the time. I was um, experiencing lots of personal stress and stress at work and um, I think uh, um, I found life hard, hard to, to cope with and um, that's when I ended up visiting a, a psychiatrist um, who started me on medication, and uh, I was actually hoping that it would help me. Um, and within a, um, a few months, actually, of starting, I actually experienced a breakdown, which was um, kind of uh, um, strange to me because um, they were supposed to save me from having a breakdown, if you understand what I'm saying. What, um, what medication were you, were you prescribed? Well, um, initially I was um, put on uh, um, Lamictal, which we call Lamictin, yeah, and um, for anxiety, that's an antidepressant, and then for anxiety I was prescribed low doses of um, Fluanxol, which has anxiolytic properties, they say, but in fact it is a, a neurolytic. So it's like an, an antipsychotic major tranquilizer, yes. like uh, Haldol yes, or Stelazine. Low doses, low doses at the time. They said um, it has, um, but you know, at the at the at the time I was really trusting, so I actually believed um, everything that I was told. Now it's so you said. Now is this pretty common? Because I mean, this is a common story in the United States that someone goes to a psychiatrist for help. They don't know where to go. They go to a psychiatrist. They get on medication. Is that pretty much the same situation there in in South Africa? Very much so, especially in South Africa with with people um, in the urban settings. You know, um, it's it's fairly um, a, a good uh, um, infrastructure, and there's enough strings around and enough um, mental health services. So so people um, end up this way. Um, 
unfortunately, there is also another system which we call the the, the government system. Um, my system being the private system, um, which I belong to, the government system, um, they usually are not that well provided for and they usually don't have the, the so-called better drugs. Huh. So so getting getting back to your, your story there, so you were put on Lamictal and another, um, anti, another drug, an antipsychotic, and then you really think that that contributed to, to a breakdown? Well, I, I wouldn't say it contributed to my breakdown, but in a sense, I, I, I couldn't tell the difference. Um, my life continued as stressful as as it used to be before, and um, even the, the the so-called therapy with the, with the psychiatrist, I, I didn't actually notice any meaningful um, help that he was giving me, except that I was talking and he wasn't saying much. And at the end of the day, or at the end of each session, he would say, well, let's tweak your dose a bit, and if you feel better, let me know. If not, let's try something else. That's generally the approach that I was uh, facing. And because I, I'm one of the lucky ones who, who has medical insurance, um, we call it medical aid, um, I, I, I could uh, see the psychiatrist quite often at the time, whereas most of the people in the state system if they're lucky, they get to see a psychiatrist for five minutes once every six months. So then, what uh, what happened? Did you end up in the hospital after that, or? Well, I, I never actually ended up in the hospital. Um, at some point, I did attend a private clinic, um, which was very helpful. I must admit, because um, um, part of the program there was um, group sessions with occupational therapists, and that I found very useful. And also, I, I, I had some exposure to yoga groups and stuff, which which I also found very helpful. But um, other than that. Um, Psychotherapy with a psychiatrist never seemed useful, and the drugs also never, I could never tell the difference in terms of an improvement. But after a while, I started experiencing bad side effects, and, uh, and maybe I can talk about that. What kinds of uh, side effects did you have? Well, uh, um, a couple of years later, um, I, I was seeing a new psychiatrist, and uh, um, she um, started me on, on Zyprexa, the big um, man one <laughs> that everybody's talking about. Unfortunately, not, not many people are aware of that year yet, although I've heard some stuff um, about Zyprexa, um, but not, not, not that publicized yet as it is, as it is over there by you. Um, Maybe it was just good instincts, and also in that period I met David Oaks and, and the Mind Freedom people. Um, I got exposure to the, 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 the literature, and um, the, that sort of made made up my mind for me, and I and I uh, um, got off that plexus real quick because uh, I was luckily warned at the time, but. Um, a couple of years down the line, even now, I'm experiencing a lot of quite dramatic personal experiences with, with um, I think, damage that was actually done by my having used Ibexo for a few months. Um, one of it is, uh, is, uh, um, is uh, um, the sensation of hunger that I experience, and, and, and which also impacts on my mood state because um, it seems as if my body is unable to regulate 
it's it's blood sugar level and and I think when my my my, my sugar level drops when my sugar level drops um it, it, it makes me get very um, ballistic if I can call it that. Right, because we know we know that Zyprexa has been linked to metabolic problems and diabetes. So yes. it sounds like you're having these side effects that are kind of related to the, the diabetes and metabolic problems that could have developed if you were on the drugs uh, longer. Yes, of course. Um, uh, um, at, at one point, a GP told me that I might possibly be transient uh, in, 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 in a sense uh, um, developing towards diabetes. Um, another drug that I, I have been on and which I'm still actually struggling to wean myself from is um, Effexo. And um, this drug is is like really the big evil one in the antidepressants and, and I noticed you guys haven't, nobody has really picked up on it. But one day I did an interesting experiment. I, I, I typed into Google um, Zyprexa withdrawal side effects and I came upon a discussion forum on one of the bigger websites, um, medical related, and there was this massive forum of people complaining about the difficulties with drawing from Effexo, which is um, Benefaxin, the generic. Um, basically, people are talking about experiencing brain shocks, which was something I found so hard to dis- to describe or to explain to people because it's it's like very disorientating. You you feel these jolts in your head, <laughs> and and um, actually um, I, I tried to reason it out like this that um, the drug initially comes across as being benign and it's like supposedly helpful but as soon as you try and betray the drug and you you turn your back on it it then reminds you that um, you need to take it and and strangely enough as soon as you take your next dosage um, you 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 feel uh, um, you feel that those terrible side effects are gone so it's been a um, almost two years that I've been slowly weaning myself of um, Epixo, which would be the last one, and then I'm free. Yeah, that's definitely, um, um, there's definitely been, there has been some talk, I know, with the Freedom Center um, support group and on the Icarus Project forums just about Effexor and the, the kind of like the electrical jolts that people experience. And in fact, we even, some of us even call it side Effexor. It's kind of like a joke, side Effexor. That's a distinct withdrawal effect. It's not a side effect. Side effects, you usually feel nothing much except maybe the dry mouth and stuff like that. But um, the, the thing that I failed to mention was that um, the day when I looked at that um, forum, there was 25 pages of comments from people all over the world. And within two days, I noticed about five pages added. And each page had about 10 people telling their own personal story. So it's a really quiet disaster happening, and not many people are aware of it. I mean, um, if they are, in fact, hundreds of thousands of people, I suppose, all over the world, if not millions, um, having this horrible experience with effects or and yet I, I was told at the time you're lucky because this is what only private patients can can get so the people in the state system are, are still getting your old tricyclic antidepressants because uh, it's so expensive right because uh, effexor is considered one of the newer and better drugs and that's one of the that's one of the ironies i think of the mental health system is that sometimes having more money available um, and having insurance actually means that you get more treatment, which can actually end up being more harmful with some of these 
drugs. Musa, let me let me ask you, um, in terms of like the stress and difficulties that were you, you were going through that led you to get on to these medications, how did you learn to kind of overcome them on your own? And, and what was it that helped you with your own wellness? I know you mentioned um, the occupational therapy group that you, um, you went in as an outpatient and you mentioned um, yoga, but what are some of the things that have been helpful to you to deal with that without psychiatry? I, I am still basically struggling in many ways or with many things, but uh, you know what? Uh, um, I have uh, um, kind of realigned my 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 understanding, and and that has been a, a big, big uh, um, boost for me because initially you you were thinking, one well, was thinking that wow, this is a, um, a chemical imbalance. It, it's completely out of my hand hands. It's it's it's. I've been predisposed to being like this, and so I had no choice in the matter. Now I understand it differently, and um, um, I think support is is really important. And uh, and yeah, I'm lucky. I've got a, a wonderful family, and and they 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 are there for me, and um, they understand me. Um, although I'm not really being very very good to myself at times, you know, I I, I don't really make time how to to do some walking in the fields and being out in nature and stuff um i i know those are the things that really help and 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 um especially in this movement we've also now um uh um seen the value of um of, of peer peer support and 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 and, uh, and being uh, um keeping company with people with similar experiences um there's a chat down my road who, who's also going through his own um, existential crisis and also is in the mental health system now. And, um, you know, uh, um, Fridays when he walks, comes to the mosque and he sees I'm not there yet, you know, it's just right next door. And then he'll come and fetch me. And, and, and in little ways, that's, that's actually helpful because it makes you come out of your, your shell. It makes you deal with your challenges because um, here's a, 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 an individual who's not judgmental and who understands what it's like to to feel those irrational urges and not functioning on on logical basis always uh, if, you, if you get what I'm saying yeah it's well it's really it's really remarkable to be speaking with you um, from your your calling from Cape Town South Africa and so many of the issues are are very similar but maybe you can tell us about because I know that you're an organizer and an activist there in uh, in Cape Town also internationally but maybe you can tell us about some of the things that that are distinct to South Africa I know that South Africa has an incredible political history with amazing struggle around apartheid and a lot of racial conflict and difficulty as well as the economic crisis that's going on now in South Africa. Maybe you can just tell us about how all that fits together with the mental health issue and psychiatry and the work that you're doing. Well, um, I mean, I think I have enough information to share um, that will make up maybe two hours of, 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 of radio time. Um, um, but um, we have a long psychiatric history in this country, and especially Cape Town, where I love, um, there has been a um, uh, um, back in the 1860s or even earlier, um, the establishment of a lunatic asylum on on the island, Robben Island. That's where Mandela was kept for 26 years, and uh, um, that, that's a very forgotten history. I, I, I was lucky to come across um, 
some academic who wrote her thesis on this so um and and she actually shared it with me so luckily i've got some real good information there at the moment we we have a, a fairly um good mental health system compared to the rest of africa because um africa is relatively poor and south africa is is relatively wealthy by comparison yeah um but be that as it may um it is a coercive system and although they have um the new mental health care act where they have kind of euphemistically introduced a new category of hospitalizations called um assisted hospitalization um i think it's just a, a kind of a whitewash of for um involuntary hospitalization so um forced treatment or forced hospitalization um and so they can like proudly announce that well the the small proportion of people who are actually involuntarily hospitalized is is actually very small but but i think that's just a major um cover up or whitewash of the real truth and the real truth is that people don't really have much choices but um unfortunately um things are are you so very much in the situation where where people believe that um the mental health system is benign it has um good intentions and it's there to help people and yet when i was um the consumer groups and working for the mental health society as auxiliary social worker um i i came across so many um of 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 the users of the consumers at the time um talking about the negative experiences how unhappy they were and and how bad the situation was for them um when they were put in the seclusion rooms for example which they they commonly refer to here as the kulukuts um usually people are, are told that they are um a danger to themselves and to others and and then they are placed in these rooms completely naked you know and um i've looked in those rooms at least the the old boards they've just built a new wing so the wards are are nicer and more modern now but the the kulukuts at the time that was used at, um for all the time up till recently um it's a small dark room with a, a thick there's only a little viewing slot like in a prison i think and um small window near the near the roof or near the ceiling and so there's not much light either so um i i can't um kind of figure out the therapeutic value one day um i attended um the, the therapeutic value of being in, uh, secluded in such a terrible place one day um i i, I visited the hospital with a group of um people on the board of the hospital because it also happened at some point to be um the local hospital's um a board member um representing consumer interests and um and I and I found all these people um in their little lock section and when we left here they were saying well we want to come out we want to come out so I think although people in South Africa believe that uh um psychiatry has good intentions and the mental health system is there to help people but, but i also believe that um there is some validity to the claims or there is some rationale 
to to people's plea that they want to come out and that they want to be free and that they did nothing wrong while they not allowed to come out. If you, if you understand what I'm saying. Absolutely. It's a very similar kind of situation in the uh, in the United States. What are some of the other sort of political and economic forces? Because I know South Africa has a really incredible history and there's so many similarities with the United States. But what are some of the things that make South Africa really different or, or unique? At the time of the, um, the, the, the new government um, that was also the place of the party system was um, overthrown democratically and um, we, we had this new dispensation. The, 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 the whole country went through a, a period um, where there were these big uh, um, public hearings um, and uh, I think it's not precisely like your, your Senate hearings, but it was specially uh, um, uh, um, called together commission by the government, and it was um, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the TRC. And, and there we had this national reconciliation process where, where people spoke about in the past about the abuses. But I, I think um, I'm not very much aware of uh, um, any of the TRC proceedings really having much to do with the abuses of the past in psychiatry. Uh, be that as it may, we, we are now in a period where we have a new Mental Health Care Act, which I think the, the emphasis is on care. And I'm saying that um, care with forced hospitalizations doesn't really equal care. So um, they have to rethink it, you know. Um, and um, although this, this whole thing has this veneer of um, being so um, benevolent and so in the interest of the patients, they, they even have this um, monitoring group which, is, uh, um, which has been put into place by the government called the Mental Health Review Boards. And they kind of are supposed to monitor um, abuses and incidences of um, seclusion, you can't just seclude them anymore without it being reported and even uh, um, involuntary hospitalizations are now reported and, and this commission then reviews every instance of this. But um, I, I've been in, in public discussions with some of the people from, these, uh, from the, the Mental Health Review Board and um, they have uh, um, disappointed me when I asked them about these reviews that they do because it, it seems that it's just become a bureaucratic exercise of keeping steps. And um, really, it's not that meaningful. And, it, and it, although um, they, they claim that when they notice any abuse or whatever, they can really act harshly upon, come down harshly on on the perpetrators. Um, yeah, but, but um, I'm very skeptical. I don't really believe that it's going to work, you know. So um, what I've been busy with is trying to uh, um, establish a small little alternative um, project. Um, in the meantime, I'm hamstrung because it's very difficult um, with no funding sources and also being finding it very hard to find people in similar circumstances to, to, to come onto my board. Um, 
you know, when, when one has to start an NGO and have it registered with the government officially, your, your, your average mental health consumer or survivor or ex-user um, is very hesitant to make waves in society and especially if they have to be officially um, having their personal details given for being on a board and the government is going to know about it and, and they fear that there's going to be some kind of victimization, I suspect, and that um, they, they, they're going to suffer at the end of the day. So um, it's been really a struggle trying to um, to start something, but um, I've made some progress um, um, since trying first actually thinking about starting an independent NGO. And um, I must say to you guys, um, um, your 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 center, um, the Freedom Center, has been very much of an inspiration to me. Oh, thank you. Thanks a lot for saying that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of similarities um, in the struggles that we're all that we're all fighting, and I'm also very inspired by you know you have really kind of just on your own on your own motivation and your own vision have just kind of forged ahead and become a leading force in the South African movement without any any funding or out of any kind of official. Um, job or position on it's all just your own initiative. Yeah, and, and and the truth is, I actually resigned my post as an auxiliary social worker from the the mental health society, where I was in a permanent part time position, which was brilliant for me. Um, but I, I I had to because uh, um, there was no way I could could kind of strike out on my own and having to be monitored and having to be under the auspices and the authority of some professionals. Um, and last year was very interesting for me because um, it was the big year of my conferences. I think I must have attended six conferences uh, um, last year. And um, one very important one was where the mental health system in the country invited me last year in September to, to present a, a paper um, um, at the national conference they called it the mental health in Darba in Johannesburg so um, strangely enough it's gone now full circle from the time where I was regarded as a maverick and, and just basically some kind of a, um, a dissident person to now actually being invited and funded to attend these conferences and then to, 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 to share um, with people in this country this alternative vision and this um, basically self-help or do-it-yourself approaches to, to better mental health um, and also the, the mutual support, peer support approach. Um, Interestingly enough, I also had another conference at a disability um, organization last year, which was hosted by a, a big university, a local university. And um, um, the, the topic of my poster, which I presented, was called um, 30 Years of Mutual Support and 30 Plus Years of Mutual Support and, and, um, and Self-Help, the Psychiatric User Survivor Movement. <laughs> And I, and I tried to kind of capture in that poster um, like the story from everywhere in the world and also tying into it um, my, my, my basic uh, um, challenge that I'm trying to establish here, this um, local project um, based on 
partially the Freedom Center, I should say, and we, we, we are going to call it the Ubuntu Center, which is also a uniquely South, South African concept. Ubuntu um, is, is a concept that also arose in this new um, era in which we are, and, and it's something which comes from traditional times here in South Africa, which is a, it's a, it's a, it's a traditional concept in the, in the black African communities of, um, of this humanity uh, amongst people, and um, I like to think of it as, as a sense of um, solidarity or camaraderie or connectedness that people have with each other. And, uh, and, and that also ties in very much with my understanding of, of support and, 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 and people having time for one another, really. And um, if this is what I can capture in this project, uh, um, then I'll be achieving a lot. Well, that's... Um that's fantastic. That's really that's really touching for me to to hear that you're trying to get a mutual aid group started. That's in some ways inspired by the inspired by the Freedom Center. That's really that's really touching. One of my my my, my colleagues at and I don't have many um, because we, we we are such a small group at the moment. Um, actually captured a sound bite um, which which sort of um, explains what our center is going to be. He said it's the Ubuntu Center for Alternative Therapies in Mental Health and and um, Psych Rights Advocacy. So um, it's a mouthful, but I think it explains exactly what we're trying to achieve. On the one hand, we want to, to, to make accessible to poorer people um, alternatives um, and then also um, we want to use that as, as, as a base from which we can um, do our advocacy from. But the big challenge is uh, um, to do it also within the, the system, the bureaucracy in the country, and getting our, our, our um, organization registered so that you can officially approach funders. Um, that I think is the big problem in, in, in places in modern modern times. You, you need to, to get recognition and and approval. And I think uh, um, you have similar situations everywhere. Um, in this country, for example, you need to get what they call an NPO number, which is a non-profit organization number. In the past, we used to refer to it as, as welfare numbers. But um, I just received an email from the, the registration authorities um, actually yesterday or the day before. Um, they said to me, they received my application on the 9th of November last year, and um, they finally are going to find my application to an assessor, and it's going to take up to eight weeks, and then hopefully after eight weeks or before eight weeks, I will have my MPO number, and then uh, I can really start functioning. That's great. Well, con- congratulations and good luck with that. That's really that's exciting, and I definitely want to have you back on the show to talk about the development of organizing the Ubuntu Center. Yes, of the Ubuntu Cape Center. Man. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. Listen, I, I'm very, I'm just so fascinated with what's happening in South Africa, but I also know that you're involved. Um, globally as one of the co-chairs of the World Network of Users and Survivors of Psychiatry. Can you tell us about the WNUSP and what kind of work that you guys are doing internationally and how maybe that ties in with the things that are going on in South Africa? So the WNUSP is, uh, um, is in its statute, so its constitution, um, is trying to, to become the, the global voice of 
um, users and survivors of psychiatry and, and the definition of a user and survivor is somebody who has had experience in the mental health system. I, I can't give you the, the complete definition. It, it just evades me at the moment. And um, as a global voice, uh, um, it's also very important to, 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 to promote the, the establishment of especially national user survivor organizations because um, um, having national organizations strengthens our, our advocacy positions um, like a, like a mini United Nations, I should say, where, where you would then have official national voices. That that is kind of the, 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 the ideal, but it's all going to be based on, on local and then regional, provincial, statewide. Are there other organizations in Africa that are doing similar kinds of work? I know that people have mentioned Ghana, and you also said Uganda. Yes, um, then uh, um, WNUSP uh, um, has a, a regional or continental group in, in Europe called the European Network INATS and of user survivors. And then uh, um, back in 2005, uh, um, our group in Uganda, um, Mental Health Uganda, which is um, user-controlled, um, um, they, they, they kind of gotten to get the, the funding and the support. And they, they hosted this conference in Kampala. And uh, I attended the, actually, I was asked to give the keynote address. And um, we, we started a Pan-African network of users of the virus of psychiatry. So there's another hat that I'm wearing um, under the secretary of the Pan-African network of users of virus of psychiatry. What kinds of projects are going on in other parts of Africa that you find are inspiring? Are there, are there similar kind of grassroots uh, I like initiatives? Africa has a very unique uh, uh, um, model. Um, and, and I think especially in, in, in Ghana with Mind Freedom Ghana, which is our affiliate organization in Ghana, um, and, 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 and Mental Health Uganda, and there's also some groups in Tanzania and Rwanda and Zambia. Um, these, these are independent groups, and, and really um, it might sound that I'm trying to emphasize this point, independent of outside control, but really controlled by the users themselves. Um, um, the, um, these, these groups are, are, are very much promoting uh, um, self-help, but um, in, especially in, in the sense of um, income generation. So you had a village-based um, agricultural product, and they will grow their own crops. and. Um, for example, or maybe a sewing project or something. So on the surface, it 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 appears to be very much like your every every other self-help thing, which has has which is happening all over the show. But but I think the big difference is that um, these organisations are under the, the control of user majority committees or boards or whatever. So. Um, that is uh, the model we follow. So although um, it's based on the, the Western tradition of self-help, um, the setting is different. It's definitely uh, um, rural and village-based. Um, whereas my project, I think, is definitely more 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 urban. Well, the project that I'm trying to start, um, I shouldn't say my project, really, because uh, um, it's not just about me, I should say, at the end of the day. 
I'm curious about, do you, do you think that given the fact that traditional economics and traditional communities are so strong in rural um, Africa, is there a different approach that the idea is maybe to not so much try and change the mental health system, but to really strengthen communities and strengthen the self-help that's going on in the local uh, level? Yes, is yes. that right? I, I once had a bit of a, a discussion with somebody from an organization called Basic Needs. Um, they, they, this is a charity that's helping to, to set up um, um, self-help projects in, in, in certain African states. And and um, I was saying, well, um, what we don't need is Western-style mental health. And the, the issue is not really around medication or psychiatry or doctors. And, 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 and and I think this person kind of gave me a bit of a, 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 a better understanding because she explained to me that, you know, some of the self-help groups in, 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 in Uganda, for example, when they find the need for medication, guess what? Um, there's no state infrastructure which can supply people with medications. So um, if people want to get medication, they, they, they have a, a, a kind of a... a a club which they pull their funds and they get medications that way. So it's not necessarily depicted as an anti-psychiatry phenomenon, the, 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 the Pan-African Network and, the, and the, the user movement, because Africa is unique because it, it doesn't compare to Western standards where there is a big tradition of, of, of psychiatry and stuff, you know. Like, for example, Ghana just has one statewide psychiatric hospital. Um, South Africa being quite different, I suppose, as, as, a, as almost like a, a, a semi-developed country compared to, to the Western states perhaps being called developed and most of Africa being um, underdeveloped. Is there more that you want to tell us about the um, organizing that you're doing in, in South Africa, some of the things that maybe give you a lot of hope for the future? Well, um, I have lots of hope, but you know what? I've been, in a sense, being very pragmatic and realistic. Initially, I was idealistic. I was thinking, well, we need to have national and official provincial organizations user-controlled, survivor-controlled groups because everybody is really um, dependent on professional-run groups and interventions. And I've stepped away from that, you know. I've realized that that, that is uh, maybe a bit of a, um, a distant goal because it's unrealistic in terms of our present realities. Um, um, what was achieved, for example, in Ghana, 20 people in the capital, 20 survivors came together and they started Mind Freedom Ghana. Bang, you have a national organization. That is not possible to do in South Africa because we have a very big mental health establishment. Um, but uh, um, myself, uh, I've then started organizing on a, on a personal one-to-one -one level, so so I, I've been focusing more on on quality rather than quantity, and uh, and the first project that we are going to do is going to really put us on the map more than what we have ever been on the map before, if I can put it that way. Mm. Yeah, um, 
would you like me to 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 say maybe more about our world network and just more general stuff about the survivor movement as as a phenomenon is is, is known worldwide yeah because i know that you're a, you're co-chair of the world network of users and yes, survivors yes. so well, what in, are some in 2001, of the... 2001 the, the world network was officially established when um, this group of survivors and users representing user survivor groups globally. Um, they met in Vancouver, um, which was incidentally a sort of a, a shadow conference to the, the, the World Federation for Mental Health Conference, which was also taking place in Vancouver at the time. And um, it happened when it, they, they officially um, adopted the statutes of the Constitution, and it officially became a... Then the, 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 it, 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 it was hosted by a Danish organization called LAP for short, and, um, and the LAP organization put, put a lot of effort into into setting and getting together the second um, global assembly, which took place in 2004. Um, this was where I came in because that was the one where I was invited to attend, and uh, and I was also then subsequently um, elected onto the board. So in the at the moment we are busy elected onto the board of the World Network. And what are some other what are some other countries and and areas of the world where people are getting organized and getting involved with the World well, Network? Well, there is a great uh, um, tradition in, in in Europe, I think. Um, Apart from the U.S., which has a long tradition, um, and we have quite a few of our members coming from there, um, but Europe and Britain and Germany, Netherlands, for example, Sweden, all those countries have it quite well established. But I must just point this out, eh, that most uh, um, of our user survival groups are really poor and under-provided with very poor infrastructure, you know, there's really no money, but um, getting successes depending on different countries or from place to place. Then uh, um, we have the, the new um, rising African movement, as I was speaking about. Um, we also have a, a strong tradition, for example, in New Zealand. We have um, a significant group in, in India, which I told you about before, and then we have uh, um, the start of, of, of organizing starting in, in Latin America. Um, where, where am I missing? There's one area which we haven't really made inroads much into as yet is North Africa and the Middle East, but hopefully that will be remedied soon. And you have a you have a conference coming up in Uganda. And yes, we, we, we are hoping to um, to to to, to have our third um, global assembly of, of all our organizations coming together um, for the WNUSP um, conference. And this hopefully will take place in Kampala in October this year. Um, and I must say that um, if it's okay, I'd love to use this opportunity to use your airwaves and maybe hopefully um, some benevolent and, and, and maybe um, helpful and maybe people with some spare chains lying around uh, would be prepared to assist us because we we, we we kind of um in a difficult situation trying to raise funds for this conference but it's very important 
for the new board to be elected and for, to, to, to give this new board a, a mandate from a global organization. Um, so um, if people are, are, are interested, they can... Um, they can uh, um, access the website of the World Network of Computers and Survivors Psychiatry. It's www.wnusp.net. And um, you can look on the web page and you'll find uh, um, most of the board members have their email addresses. One of the, the links on the, on, the, on the front page, the main page. So my suggestion is if you want to us, you want to give a donation, um, you want to join, whatever, just visit our website and um, contact the closest person on our board because we have people from all over the world. We've got somebody in Japan, somebody in New Zealand, somebody from Germany, Sweden, Britain, God, everywhere, you know. Um, also in Africa, three or four countries. It's fantastic. So you also... Um Musa, you also have a blog where you write. You want to give us the address of that. All this information also will be on the Madness Radio uh, webpage, and, and uh, we can also help people get in, in touch. But tell us about your uh, blog. I am at the moment doing my own blog, so um, most of my, my, my significant events will be on the blog. Um, it's um, http colon forward slash forward slash Musa, which is spelled M-O-O-S-A hyphen Sali, S-A-L-I-E dot O-I-S-M-O-ism dot info. And um, just an interesting story aside, um, Oism is a, is a website um, which is hosted by a, an Italian survivor called Tristano Aimone. He lives in Turin in Italy, and I had met him in, in Milan in 2005 at a, at a global consumer conference, which was hosted by WAPR, which is the World Association of Psychosocial Rehabilitation. And Tristano and I have become great friends, and um, you, you can read all about his, his story because his website is in English and in Italian. It's um, www.oism.info So um, check out his website. He's been kind enough to host my website. Um, he's on his domain. And, um, and um, you know, um, we, we've got to thank the, the, the people of Turin because um, they had a big fundraiser in December to, to pay for all the, the websites and the costs of hosting the website. So thanks to our Italian friends and um, Tristano, you are a star. <laughs> um, well, Musa, we are, just and, about, uh, we are just about out of time. I just wanted to ask you if you had any, um, any last-minute um, thoughts or inspirations that you wanted to leave our, um, our listeners with, maybe especially listeners who, who are maybe new to these issues, who are maybe going through some struggles themselves or who have friends and family members and don't really understand a lot about the the movement but just want to maybe hear a little bit of your words of inspiration to them uh, actually uh, I, have a, I have a good message there i, I, I think that um when when you become you 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 just kind of uh, um, become um, exposed or you 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 i can't find the words now but you 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 make contact with the mental health system in your life. Um, just do not become of the mindset that now that I have a psychiatric label, um, 
everything is over, I am hopeless, now I'm a basket case, I'm lost cause. Um, that's not the truth. Um, as long as you have your heart beating and the blood flowing, believe in yourself and, and make it possible. Everything is possible. And, and, and we have to believe that there is more positives in our lives than to focus on the morbidities and the comorbidities and the, 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 the impairments and the, the negativities, which um, the mental health system is indoctrinating us with. And I believe people need to believe and to have hope. And um, this is what I told some consumers in, 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 in Italy. I say to them that, you know what, um, once you have taken charge of your life, believe me, you, you will have to reach a stage of your life where you tell the welfare system, thanks very much for you guys. You've supported me in my time when I was unable to cope. But you should believe that it's going to be possible that this is not lifelong, that you can, in fact, move to that system, that you can, in fact, um, pick up the pieces of your life and then, you know, start a proper job, earn a proper income, and, and, and you don't have to uh, um, be dependent on welfare for the rest of your life. Um, that's that's my message. My message is hope, believing in in the possibilities. Yeah. Musa Sali, thank you so much for joining us on Madness Radio. Thanks very much. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to an interview with Musa Sali. Musa is the co-chair of the World Network of Users and Survivors of Psychiatry. He was calling us from Cape Town, South Africa, and he is involved in organizing the Ubuntu um, Society. That's a mutual aid um, user-survivor group that's getting off the ground in South Africa. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Um, We will see you next week on Madness Radio. been listening to madness radio voices and visions from outside mental health madness radio is broadcast every wednesday 6 to 7 p.m eastern standard time on pacifica affiliate wxojlp fm 103.3 valley free radio in northampton massachusetts for our live internet stream podcasting show archives and more visit madnessradio.net madness radio is co-produced by freedom center and the icarus project For more information, check out freedom-center.org and theicarusproject.net. For more mental health radio, listen to the news hour from mindfreedom.org, Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you have an idea for a story or guest on Madness Radio, or you just want to share what's in your head, contact us at radio at madnessradio.net. KWMD, Kasilov, 90.7, Anchorage, 104.5.